Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. It is championship week. We're not talking about the Open Championship. We'll do that a little bit later on. Andy Michelson joins me, Ben Hutchison, and we are going to talk about the 90th Illinois State Amateur Championship because it is being held here, Andy. This is something we've been waiting for. Yeah, to say it's been a dream for us uh, coming true is is not an understatement. This is something that, you know, if I take a step back and, and kind of walk us through the process, you know, we've been looking at hosting something of this uh, size and magnitude literally since probably 2014, 2015. Um, and that included myself, our GM, Dan, and even Jim um, at the time. You know, we, we went through and we listed all of the events that we would love to host someday, eventually someday. And those included USAM qualifiers. Check that one off the list. That included, um, you know, continuing our support of the Women's Open. Check that one off the list. We wanted to host a national event of some type. Uh, we hosted the Women's Western Am in 2018. Check that one off the list. And then this one, when it was announced, I believe in 2018 or 2019, this seemed like the kind of the culmination of that list. You know, this was the highest one on our list that we wanted to hit. And, um, you know, it's it's literally um, just just an absolute dream to have them out here. And, and I love um, just, just the collaboration that we've had as a team going into the last couple of weeks, the planning, um, getting this place to where it, it really needs to be to host a, host a great championship. Even going back to the renovations, I mean, there had to be hints and hopes and dreams back then. Yeah, absolutely. Why why would you, you know, touch the golf course not only for for basic play every day if you're not going to uh, have larger aspirations and and that was part of this whole plan was to be able to to host and be a site, you know, be basically one of the best sites if not the best public site in in all of Chicago. So it makes us that much more attractive. You know, now we're in the conversations with you know, Cantini and things like that uh, that have hosted this this championship, and I host a, I, I plan to host this in the future. I mean, I, I'm hoping for a great week, and I know that we'll be a good host, and hopefully they see the same and the players enjoy it, and I, I think they will based on uh, the tests we put out there. Ten years from now, we can do the 100th. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be super cool. Put that on the calendar. That'd be great. What do you think Jim would think of this, our, our, our owner Jim? There's just so many things that have happened over the last couple of years that, that – just always make us stop and reflect and and wish that Jim was was here and this is this is one of the biggest um, because he was 100% behind this um, you know I had a question on the radio uh, last Saturday where they had said um, you know how do you guys get away with with closing and, and passing up on all that revenue and public play it's like we we always see the bigger picture that this has always been about the bigger picture. Having an event like this is, it just, just for the longevity of, of Mistwood and, and, and being seen as a, as a tournament golf course, you know, that, that's what I want. That's what we want. So, you know, it, it, it truly is just something special this week. And we have a lot of golfers out there doing practice rounds and it's been great working with the CDGA on this. And what are your thoughts if you were heading into the tournament right now? What would you be thinking? Um, are you, are you saying like as a player, as, as much as I've played Mistwood, 
Um, <laughs> Specifically, a little bit of an edge there. But what are you thinking about going into a tournament like this? You know, I, how I would use my practice rounds is I would I'd be looking at the golf course, like how is it different from when I normally play it? And one of the things that stands out the most is is the way that, that we've grown out the rough. When we took a page out of the Illinois Open last year, I thought the preparation that they did on White Eagle was phenomenal and exactly how, I mean, they wrote the blueprint for how the, the championship should look for us uh, going into this year. So um, really just keep the ball in the fairway. And that's and that's the what what we wanted. You know, our our course is not gonna not gonna penalize you from a distance standpoint. I mean, I, I believe the championships being competed right at sixty eight hundred, um, which is probably fairly short uh, compared to to other venues uh, that have hosted the stadium in the last few years. But you know, I, I still think it's a good test. You know, you can't cut those corners like you normally can and get that nice fluffy line in the rough. It's it's gonna be four or five inches deep. So you gotta you gotta be a little bit more strategic around this golf course. You're talking about the conditions. You actually had a chance to speak with course superintendent Ben Kelnoffer to get his thoughts on the tournament. Let's listen to that. What do you think the low score is going to be? Low score? Um, I think somewhere maybe um, maybe between 10 and 12. Maybe a little higher. See, I, I like that number. Frank threw out there 16. It's possible. 16 is possible. It's possible. What kind of uh, conditions are you hoping for over the next like three or four days before we tee it on Tuesday? Well, we've had a fair amount of rain the last three weeks. Um, obviously, it's going to be lush out there and green. Um, my hope would we be uh, we get a couple really dry days with some strong winds to help dry the place down and firm it up and uh, really provide a good test of golf for these guys. What do you think of the rough? I think it's I think it's pretty good. It's almost there. I think the rough is right where it needs to be. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Good. Uh, if there was a pivotal hole in your mind on where the tournament could be literally won and lost. Where, where do you think that is? Oh, you know, that's a good question. The course has obviously been rerouted for the tournament. Um, the back nine is playing as the front nine, and front nine is the back nine pretty much. So having those, having holes like 14 and 15 early in the round, yeah. um, I think getting through those holes with, you know, not too much damage, I guess, um, will be pretty pivotal holes to, you know, just help guys get off a, on a good start. But ultimately, I think coming around the back, um, holes like seven and eight, um, you know, I think, the, I think there'll be big holes, um, especially the last day. Yeah. I mean, a hole that, like our, our normal hole number, number five mm -hmm. has always played the most difficult than USAM qualifiers that we've had out here in the past. Uh, when we've played it from just that slightly back tee, and it's, it's still mm -hmm. under 400 yards. Yep. But um, I don't know if we're anticipating high winds next week, but it'd be be nice to see on, on a hole like that because that, that's one in my mind that I think could, could play a pivotal factor too as they come around uh, towards, the, uh, towards the end of the round. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That is a, uh, that's just a good short par four that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of architects these days just really don't go back to right. those tough short par fours. Right. And um, yeah, it could very well be a pretty pivotal hole. We'll keep an eye on that one. <laughs> nice. The routing. So you talked about the routing. What, what do you think of it? I like it. Um, I like it, especially for tournament play. Um, obviously, the third, our original third hole um, coming back to the clubhouse will now be the 18th hole. Right. Um, I think it makes for a great finish. Um, and on top of that, you know, it's not the longest par five in the world. So the opportunity for an eagle or a birdie on the last hole 
um, could come in huge for some people. So um, I like it. I, I really like it, especially for tournament play. I really love how you guys talked about the rough, and he kind of did the tongue-in-cheek, it's right where it needs to be. It's good. And me as a <laughs> me as a player wanting to <laughs> want, wanting to see a, a lower score, I always think it could grow even more. So uh, I, I I do understand, like, especially how how that ball will react coming out of the rough if it is long enough. Um, and, and we'll change the, the way that people's perspectives are off, off tees and, and make tee shots a little bit more difficult. And as I enjoy getting into the head of golfers and what you guys go through, when you're preparing for a tournament or playing in those tight tournaments as well, you talked with head pro Frank Hohenadel, and he had some numbers he threw out and what hole might be the most difficult. Question number one, Frank, what do you think the lowest score is going to be for the week? Uh, I'm going to say something in the teens for sure. I'd say 15, 16 is a good number. We've seen uh, winning scores in recent years as low as the 20s, but I think with the rough being up the way it is for next week, I think it's going to be around 16. I'm guessing I'm going to say t- between 12 and 12 and 16 has kind of always been my number. Um, you know, we took a page out of the uh, the playbook of the Illinois Open last year. We definitely haven't had the rough grow in the last couple of weeks. Um, we're standing here on 15. You and I both agree that this is a very pivotal hole. This is actually going to be played as hole number six next week because they did flip around the nines in order to uh, be finishing on our hole number three as the 18th hole. Kind of confusing, but we'll, we'll go into more detail uh, as the week uh, plays on. Um, why do you think this hole is so pivotal? I've seen good players, really good players, make any score from three to eight on this hole. So it really can make or break your whole round. Um, got to get the tee ball in play first and foremost um, you can you can hit driver but you got to take a pretty aggressive line kind of at the pine trees or slightly right of them or else just hit three wood uh, you can get in trouble hitting driver thinking you're bailing out and still hit it too far through the corner out of bounds so um, one of the worst spots in this hole obviously other than the water is kind of where this gentleman's playing right here out of that right rough it's really deep, really, really kind of nasty, kind of an uphill lie a lot of the time. So to Frank's point, I agree. Like you have to, you have to figure out exactly where that tee ball needs to be, kind of between that like 265 to 300 area. But if you go much more than that, you really have to cut off a lot. You know, that that could really get you in some trouble if you pull a little bit left or even even push it out to the right a little bit. I would say just to, to piggyback on Frank's comments. I think the thing that people aren't aggressive enough on the second shot, if you look back down the hole, the fairway actually expands out here at about 50 yards. So if you actually hit it just short in about this 50-yard area, that is a great spot to come in from for your third shot. What I see too many people is actually lay back on this hole, and you'll see them lay back anywhere between 100 and 150, and that's actually the narrow part, narrowest part of this fairway. So I love to see balls kind of get up in this area, because then it actually expands the hole out a little bit more. It gives you a lot more room uh, to come into your third shot. Because this green, it's very complicated from, from right to left. And uh, you want to be coming in here with a wedge you can definitely control. So, Frank, last question. Question number three. And I'd love to get your perspective on it because you play the game very different than I play it. You would be one of the longest hitters in the field at the State Am. How would you attack this golf course? Yeah, so basically you've got to take advantage of the par fives, right? So I would try to turn the golf course into a par 68. I would try to be either on or around the surface on all the par fives and then kind of hold on for dear life on on the rest of them, the threes and the fours. There's a lot of 
good long tough par threes out here that um, definitely susceptible to bogeys so um, I would just try to beat up on the par fives and play it as, as a par 68. Couldn't agree more. Frank, thanks for your perspective and uh, can't wait for a great week. So that was a couple days ago. Where do you think that number still is for the winner? I still like my number a little bit more. Frank's was 16. Um, I, I still like my number at 12. I think there's – I actually think in the first two days, you'll probably see the leaders at 8-ish, maybe 9-ish. And then, you know, just things like tournament pressure creep up. Um, you know, a surprise person comes from from kind of the back of the pack. I still like 12 in, in my mind. Now, it could be, it could be 16. It's going to be – it's, it's out here. It's all dependent on the wind. And I, I noticed the wind forecast this morning. It's actually going to go in two different directions. So tomorrow it's going to blow from the south, which I think is our hardest wind. Um, a lot of our par fives are then into the wind or crosswind. And then on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, it's going to be starting from the north and then flipping back from the south for the last um, few, few rounds. So I think the fact that, if it can blow a little bit, just 10 miles an hour out here makes all the difference in the world. And I did get an update text from Frank. He said, wish I could change the winning score to 10 under. This rough is nasty. <laughs> that was after playing on Friday. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so he's somewhere in the 10 to 16 range, but I'll I'll accept that 10 under for him as an updated version. But that's but he, but he, he talked about it on 15 and it's it's not only on 15 it's on so many other spots on this golf course where there's gradual dog legs or gentle dog legs that you got to be cautious of that you don't hit it too far through you had talked about that on the tee shot on six r15 they're playing a six this week that if you hit it just a smidge too far it can go through in that right rough and that right rough's a nightmare on that hole um and there's other holes like that um that if you try and cut the corner or you try and hit it too far and get in the wrong spot, it, it can be very penal this week. If you're familiar with Misswood, as some of these golfers might be, is there a mental aspect behind the holes being different and being flipped around? I would have wanted, as a uh, as a player, I would have wanted at least a couple of rounds. They're only going to get the luxury of one round uh, playing in this um, rotation before the tournament starts, but I would have liked a couple of rounds in that order. Um, it's really not that much different from the old rotation before, you know, we flipped up kind of the, the starting hole uh, to be the old, old number seven, now number one, yada, yada, yada. It's just, I, I would have wanted to get the feel of what my round is going to feel like. Cause there's always, you kind of always want to kind of ease into a round and, and out here, 10 is kind of a tricky hole. 11 doesn't take much of a bad tee shot to get out of place. 12 is a very sneaky hole. So actually the way it's laid out, I actually think might be more difficult to, to start out from a, a mental standpoint. But if you get all the way through there, and let's say you're um, two under through the first six or seven, I should say the first seven, man, you could you could really put a, put a nice number up there. Because once you get past Kelpie's Corner and get all those holes behind you, you can put up a nice number. Because for everyone at home, hole 10 is actually number one this week. Yeah, hole 10 is number one. Uh, hole number four is number 10 and then <laughs> number one is actually number 16 so that we finish on hole number three, our number three, which is going to be the 18th for this week. So 
they jockeyed some holes around just to, to make for a, an exciting finish for people to come out and spectate to, to watch the championship. And I think it's going to be an exciting championship. It's not going to be, you know, beat your brains in, even par is going to win. There's going to be some birdies being made, and, and that's fine. This golf course is, it, it rewards you if, you if you play it right. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Well, let's switch gears to the Open, the Open Championship that took place this past weekend. Colin Morikawa coming out with his, what, second major win. He's the youngest to do it since Tiger Woods to win two majors. I don't know, man. I, and and he's not – he's just different too. He's He very much has kind of that – maybe this is like another coming in Jordan Spieth, but obviously his stats shake out to be a little bit better than, than even Spieth early on. He's uh, 24. Yeah, 24. I mean, the, the ball flight he hits, just a nice little cut, doesn't change it, hits the same – same thing every single time. I mean, he's just extremely consistent. He's a good, he's a good example that you don't need to absolutely hit everything perfect or or do everything perfect in order to win. The guy makes mistakes in the right spots. If he does make mistakes, it's he had a lot of shots to what twenty feet, made some of them and won the tournament. That's just how he got it done. It wasn't anything crazy. And one of the good things that happened for him on Sunday was even when he hit it into the rough, he had really good lies. It was just propped up nicely on the grass. It didn't get too buried, so he was able to put it right back on the green and putt in. And that's, well, I mean, if you want to draw JCs to here, I mean, that can, that can happen. The fescue, you can sometimes get that lie that's either really bad that you can't can't get your club on, or over there it seems like it's a little bit more spotty just the way that it, they grow it and maintain it, and so you can get your club on it if, even if you get in a bad spot. Jordan Spieth, great weekend for him. He said he played well enough to win the major. He felt great. I think he's just kind of confirming again that he's back and that he wants to compete. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think that uh, he's he's right there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a fixture here for the next next few years. He's he's figured it out. It, it seems like he's on a path to figuring it out. And they talked about that multiple times. His new swing thought, churn and burn, this this whole thing where he's basically trying to swing a little bit harder left and and everything else. I think he's on a path to figuring it out. I wish I could find that path, but <laughs> but he's on a path to figuring it out right now. And so the fact that he's on that path, he doesn't need to do everything perfect. He is one of the greatest tournament putters on planet Earth ever, and his short game is ungodly good. So you put all those things together, and you don't have to be perfect even to be Jordan Spieth. And he had a instance where a photographer took a picture too early, Yesterday, the camera went off, and he hit it, went left. He turns around pretty much the, come on, man. Oh, really? really? What hole is that on? I didn't see that. I'd say it was about halfway through the round. It was a par three. But he was able to chip up and putt in and save par, I believe. But, man, it's just these constant distractions and things that can get in your head when you're competing for a major title. Like, that has to be insane. He handled it really professionally, kind of just like, you know, threw the hands up a little bit like, man, what are we doing here? Well, it's, it's such a fine line because in golf, you have total silence, or you're supposed to have total silence when you're hitting a ball. In baseball, like, you've got the fans cheering. So it would be different if, if in golf, if we had the fans cheering and we, we teed it up and hit it, it's consistent sound. It's when the sound is different for that split second that, that rattles you. It's just the camera shutter that went off. I do love those videos, though, when they switch the crowd noises and they put soccer behind golf when he scores, and he makes the putt, and it's just like, goal, and <laughs> everyone goes crazy. Um, but you're right. Anything can throw you off in golf. And how about Brooks Kepka? I think 
I'm not looking it up, but I think 12 of the last 18 majors, he's been top 10. Yeah. <laughs> he's having fun trolling. <laughs> <laughs> That's been the main story with him. Uh, you enjoyed the driver comments over the weekend. Oh, that was so good. So good. I mean, that is one... That is that is just one of the best trolls without even like doing it overtly. While Bryson says he can't stand his driver, just within twenty four hour period, just sneaks in that little yeah. I, I hit it great, hit it straight. I just love my driver. Just <laughs> just sliding that in there. That was an awesome moment. <laughs> he just gets it, and I think he's also totally different from Phil in the sense, but I think he's becoming more likable. He's opening up a little bit because he's kind of got that stone face. He goes around, he plays well, but I don't know. I've never really thought of Brooks as someone I've been like, I really like that guy. The he seems villain great. found a new villain. Isn't that crazy? It, but that happened. The Bryson villain. continues to just go down. <laughs> just, just and I know we dog him on the show, dropping. but <laughs> he's just, he's not likable. And I, he's like Patrick Reed for me. Ooh, I kind of <laughs> like Patrick Reed because he's gritty. <laughs> He's not a good father figure, but he's really pretty. I like him a lot. I don't want my kids to look up no, to him, but no, not at all. But yeah, no. Brooks, Brooks to me is very much of that ilk of Colin Morikawa. He understands his game. Very simple. Uh, nothing he does is is crazy sexy on the golf course. He he drives it probably a little bit better than even Morikawa does, but uh, yeah, he's very very simple, very efficient. Assuming his knee could hold up and Spieth continues to play well, I wouldn't mind another 15, 20 years of these guys just going head-to-head every I think, weekend. I think it's going to happen. I think golf is in its best spot, and, and people need to kind of stand back and realize that too. Even if Tiger is gone as far as being competitive, we are in a great spot with golf. We are in a very exciting spot with golf. Not only do we have more new golfers and a lot more kids uh, hopping into this game that are looking at even other golfers outside of Tiger Woods, like everyone in my generation, a little bit younger, it's Tiger, 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 Tiger. But there's more guys to look up to, and I think they're um, they're likable guys, right? Like Colin Morikawa, they're talking how classy he was in the speech and everything else yesterday. Jordan Spieth's that same guy. Justin Thomas, for the most part, is that same guy. A lot, there's a lot of guys like that on tour, so it's it's hard to root against anybody. Well, one guy we'll be rooting for this week here at Misswood is going to be Jeff Lasky, a member here with our general manager, Dan Bradley, on the bag. That's pretty cool. That is a cool team. And honestly, I think Lasky's got a pretty good chance, man. That that dude's a – he's gritty. He's gritty. I mean, he's, he's an All-American playing tennis. Good good golfer. Better than good. He's, he's become basically the best golfer here um, as far as members go and – He's got a good chance. I, I guess he had a, a really good practice round. He hits it 320 on a string. Sign me up for that. Wow. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. So you get a guy that hits a 320 on a string out here, he can probably find a way to, to have a lot of birdie looks. So definitely not a bad thing. All right. Well, good luck to Jeff and good luck to all the other golfers. And Andy, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Ben. Get in the cart. Right at us. Lord! The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.